0: If you will take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter eleven, and as you make your way there, I I know this is a holiday weekend where we celebrate a very special holiday, and that is the birth of a nation—the miraculous conception of who we are started prior to 1776, but became a reality in 1776, and allowed us to be an amazing people for God's purpose. I think we have to put those together. We are amazing people for God's purpose. Why is that? Because God establishes a nation He can also destroy a nation. And the difference is, will a nation comply and engage in God's purpose? And I I think there needs to be a clear call. I I was in the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix, Arizona. Saw pastors from all over the country. I have been talking with pastors all over the state. And I'm hearing the same thing. No matter whether it's out west or the east coast or... Suburban or urban churches or inner city or whatever it may be. We've never seen a time like this. And it's not meant in a good way. We've never seen a time like this in our churches or in our country. It's a strange time. So I think we might want to let wisdom prevail as we look at the book of Proverbs and see from God's wisdom what we can learn and what we can apply. And so in doing that, I guess that was my note to shift gears and read the Scripture. So here we go. I'll follow my prompts well. No. Uh, either that or bust out in song. Here we go. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 10. Here's what wisdom says. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous are allowed to be righteous and, and allowed to bring a bit the benefits of righteousness. Now, righteousness doesn't mean just what we do with our hands, although it's a part of living out right things and doing right things. Righteousness starts on the inside that Jesus said our righteousness is a matter of the heart. So something inside me has to eternally be changed, transformed, and that transformation changes my behavior and my belief system, and therefore I now live in a way that carries out God's purpose. And in so doing, <coughs> I begin to experience the benefits of that. And as I carry out God's purpose, the, the, The environment and the atmosphere and the culture around us benefits from that. That's very important. need to understand that. He says that as you carry out the righteous purpose of God, as He transforms your life, you become light in the world of darkness. You become a, a way of changing the atmosphere around you. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy, meaning... When wickedness is conquered and when wickedness is defeated and when righteousness prevails, there are shouts of joy because, again, God is being honored and His purpose is being completed. Verse 11, through the blessings of the upright, a city is exalted. The same thing. As we live out that transformed life, uh, they become, there's benefits and blessings that touch both the the. the the saved and the unsaved. And so you find that there is a, there's a an exaltation as, as a, a rise in the promise that God can use even greater and in more uh, capacity. And then you find, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Now listen to me very carefully. I want to ask you a question. As you sit there, I want you to think about this for a minute. He says, as the righteous proclaim, and carry out God's purpose. There is rejoicing, okay? And a city is exalted. A culture is blessed. When the But well, look at this. But by the mouth of the wicked it is destroyed. I want to ask you a question. Don't have to answer it out loud. I want you to answer it yourself. I want to ask you a question: Who, wh- Whose voice is louder today in America, the righteous or the wicked? Need to answer that because it becomes a pivotal point of what our life change? and when we change our attitudes and directions. Which voice is louder, the voice of the righteous or the voice of the wicked? Let's look at some things together. Ronald Reagan said this. Freedom prospers when the blessings and the laws of God are acknowledged. The quest for freedom is not material, but spiritual. Very wise words. You see, if we're not careful, we think freedom is is having everything we want and doing anything we want. That's not freedom. Freedom is being all God has called you to be. Freedom is being able to, to be all that God has equipped you to be and gifted you to be and, and created you to be. In the image of His Son, being transformed and conformed to the image of Christ. That is freedom. My freedom is in Christ. And because it's in Christ, I become that person of righteousness. That mom, that dad, that parent, that child, that teenager, whatever. And become that person of righteousness that says, I'm here to take a stand for the kingdom of God. And if I take that stand and love loudly, I can make a difference. Which voice is louder I think there's trouble all around us. There is certainly a, a, a liberalism that we see that speaks very loudly. A liberalism that is, believes in the tolerance of all ideas, the behavior of others, without moral restraint. All is relative. And the greatest of all, virtuous tolerance. Tolerance. And so, if you want a biblical reference, you go to the book of uh, Judges, and says, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's where that leads. Uh, and then, but then you can also go to ritualism, observing the form of religion, a form of godliness, but no power. We are a spiritual-minded people. Now, please what am I saying? America is very spiritually curious. Just not connected to the right source. Oh, we're very spiritually minded. We 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 talk about various aspects of spirituality and, and we are curious about it. We look for it, but we don't want to talk about Jesus much. Just spiritual things. I was uh uh, I, I enjoyed our vacation. We were, we were uh, on the beach on the uh, east coast of Florida. And <clears throat> the place I've been there is a great place. It's quiet and it's nice. But uh, um, we went down to the beach and uh, Charlene, she, she took off in the, the think we, we laid our blankets down and, and kind of got us a place. And, and uh, it's pretty crowded. But uh, I, I was out of part curiosity, I kind of parked myself next to a new age shaman. Which is kind of interesting on in itself, because the guy had set up an office on the beach. So how do you know that? Because he had taken trees and marked off his boundaries, about a about a ten by uh, twenty foot area. Marked trees, went back, put rocks in between the trees, and uh, had him a little uh, 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 a little covering for shade, uh, made out of all natural material. Uh, very conscious mind of the earth. And he was counseling. He was talking. He worked with one guy for like over an hour. It was a friend talking to him. And I was trying to, you know, and, and I was trying to how to engage a guy. Charlene, she goes in the ocean. Uh, I don't go in the ocean because sharks live there. <laughs> I, I, you know? Hey. So, you know, uh, I love her. If I hear her scream, I'll do my best to get to her. But, hey, You know, uh, so, you know, I always say, go find a good crowd to get in the midst of, you know, don't be out there by yourself. But anyway, um, so I'm trying to figure out how to maybe talk to this guy and, and cause I'd like to engage and talk with him, but he wouldn't talk to me. Matter of fact, he wouldn't look at me and I'd kind of, you know, and he just was, but he was engrossed and talking to people. And then people come to the beach were coming and entering his office and talking to him. (laughs) And he was saying some, some interesting stuff. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, Typical New Age stuff. And, and, uh, but it was neat because he would go around and shake. But I was off the, the corner of his office. His office was like this way. And I was over here off the corner of his office. And every so often, he'd come around and shake his shakers over me like I was bothering him. why? good. who I'm bothering you. And uh, he just kind of come over. I guess I was the evil spirit he was trying to get rid of. I don't know. He'd just, you know, do this little thing. And he'd, he'd kind of walk around and chant some stuff. And then go back to his office. And he only do in the corner I was sitting on. And uh, so I'm thinking, but I watched people come by and talk. People didn't know this guy. Hey, they didn't know him. But they're coming to talk to him. They're asking his opinion. Because they're curious about spiritual things. You understand that? They're thinking, this guy has got to be spiritual because he's got these little limbs around this, in the, in the sand that looks like a wall, and he's got rocks, and he talks about the rocks and the purpose of the rocks, and so forth and so on, and, and, and you know, and, and crystals, and so forth and so on. And he's got all this stuff out there, and people are going, well, he must be spiritual, so I need to go talk to him. Now, I was eavesdropping some, I must confess. He didn't say anything worth hearing. I'm sitting here listening to this guy talk. I'm going, "Is this all you got?" I mean, is this all you got? And uh, and of course, he never would. You know, he just kind of ever he just kind of shake his stuff at me. And I'm going, "Okay, you know, guys, our country is spiritually hungry, but they're drinking from the wrong fountain. You understand that? And 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 yet." I'm not sure which voice is louder. Of course, we know we deal with terrorism, the domination by intimidation. And it brings no peace, only destruction. And this is how our world is shaping up. But more importantly, I say that world is certainly important, but in our backyard in America, this is how we are shaping up. A people of liberalism in every way and ritualism and how we approach spiritual things and then a sense of terrorism. We are a people who live in fear now. Fear of a lot of things. And yet yeah, the Bible says, sure not. I'm with you. And so we, we see this and we understand. Then, of course, we live in a time where we attempt to define behavior through the, in the light of culture and science and philosophy rather than Christian influence. What does the culture say? What, is the, what does science say? What does philosophy say? And no one's asking what Christ says. I'll ask you again, which voice is louder? Which voice is your children hearing? Which voice is your grandchildren hearing or your great-grandchildren? What are they hearing? Which voice is coming through to them loud and clear? Well, uh, let me go ahead and share this with you. I, I think... Uh, The crisis in the Western world is in the degree of its indifference to God. The crisis we face in America is solely, I think, measured by our indifference to God, or which could be also be translated into apathy. But I think indifference. I think people are just indifferent. I, can I say I can't blame them because what they see gives good cause for indifference? I mean, just a few weeks ago, we had someone prophesy and prom- promote the Judgment Day of God, the rapture of the church, and gave the time and the date, which I always thought's interesting, because how do you give, it's going to be 6 o'clock on Saturday, when, you know, is two days ahead of us. So how does that work? I just always want to know. How can you, I mean, you me know, you know, what countries are going to happen in first? You know, give me more than that, you know. Yeah, but no, no, no. And again, the church came off looking like a bunch of idiots. No wonder people indifferent us. Millions of dollars were spent to promote a lie in the name of God, and we wonder why we are losing our influence. I mean, uh, the uh, this made the talk on the View. They were talking about this on the View, and so you go, "What's wrong? What's your voice are they hearing?" need to answer that question. We are in become a people indifferent to God. I attended the Southern Baptist Convention, which had the lowest attendance it's had since 1944. L- less than half of what we had last year. You say, ah, it's the economy. Ah, some of it is. Sure. No, a lot of it. it's just indifference. For the first time we have published, uh, it was published in the Christian Index, that we were down in baptisms, down in church attendance. And down in churches. Indifference. There needs to be the touch upon us. I I think we talk about that touch of God that seems to be almost unnoticed. I think the touch of God's presence with us, the touch of God's power upon us, the touch of God's promise through us, all these things are evidence of God's touch on his people. But God's got to be with us. For all this to happen, there has to be God with us and in the process of that personal relationship, but also in that uh, purposeful direction through grace. And he gives a presence with us that's obvious and known by how we respond to people, how we treat each other, how we love one another. That's how people see the presence of God. They don't see it because we show up at church on Sunday morning. They see the presence of God how we live during the week, and how we face our struggles and our disappointments and our and our discouragement. That's when they see the presence of God, and so we understand that as this takes place, we need His touch upon us. We are here to fulfill the purpose of Christ. I was thinking about the story. I was driving back, and I was thinking about the story in Luke chapter two and uh, by. Uh, Mary and Joseph had carried their family and their their to the temple and fulfilled their obligation during the week of Passover and and of course Jesus was at this point point twelve and understanding the old in the, in that in this culture twelve was you're kind of an adult right you're getting there so but they were there. For the, for the Passover and they were packing up and people traveled in caravans and there would have probably been several family and friends together a sense of safety and it was no big deal that, hey, we're going to leave, let's go and they took off and sometime later in the midst of everyday routine and everyday uh, ritual and, and how they do life Mary said to Joseph, you seen Jesus? no, I thought he was with you no, I thought he was with you and guess what? He wasn't with either one. And then they went up and down the caravan and said, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? I thought maybe he'd be playing with your kids or, or be back here with you guys. Because the, 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 the women would travel out front and the men in the back. And they thought maybe just kind of somewhere in between. And they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. They went back frantically looking for him. And eventually they found him in the temple speaking about the things of God. And when his mother basically said, what in the world are you doing? He said, look, I'm doing God's business. And that was enough for her. Said, okay. We was worried about you. We've been looking for you. He said, I've been right where I'm supposed to be doing God's business. I want you to listen to me very carefully. Please hear me. Is anybody realizing Jesus may not be in our caravan? I mean, we're doing all the regular stuff we always do. We assume He's here because He's surely here. Please understand, I know God's presence is with theological. He never leaves us, forsakes us. But I'm talking about the working presence, the empowering presence. It's not that He has moved. It's that we have moved. Without him. And the tragedies were indifferent to that. Doesn't seem to bother us. At all. President John Adams said, We have no government armed with the power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Our founding fathers realized that our strength and our success and the benefit was in us being a righteous people according to the laws of God. It's that simple. And yet I see us trying to figure out how to be a beneficial, effective, influential country without God. But we're trying, we're trying very hard. Uh, we're actually driven by that concept of we really don't have to be one nation under God anymore because we're so diverse. And we must make room for everyone who doesn't believe there's a God. And we must be tolerant for those who don't like our God. And therefore, we don't have to be under God. And yet, the truth is, the only success a nation can ever have if it becomes submissive under God. And so we find ourselves in this quandary of, well, we just... Want to let people have freedom to be and express themselves. I'm off. I don't bother me that people express themselves. I'm going to ask again, which voice is louder? That's the question you've got to answer. What I'm seeing is while they are expressing themselves, we seem to be in a mode of Retreat. And, and, and I'm not sure anybody's hearing us anymore. Uh, we show up and we do our stuff. But has anybody risen? Jesus may not be in the caravan? Went to a parking lot to park. Uh, the only... The only negative thing about where we went was you have to pay to park everywhere. Even if you go to the CVS or the, or the Rite Aid or the Walgreens, it didn't matter. There was meters out in front of them. They're going, wow, what is this? You know, And, and so we, when you go to eat, you kind of had to pay to park. And so uh, I, uh, we didn't know. We, we, were, we found a couple of places, and we, we pulled into this dirt parking lot because there was no places. They had valet parking. Valet parking is 20 bucks. ain't going to do it. I'm not that hungry. I just ain't that hungry, and so I ain't gonna do that. So we found this lot down about two blocks and and uh, pulled in. It didn't see anything, but obviously there was a sign that said you had to pay, which was okay. It was in the back of the lot, and and a guy met me and said, "Hey, it'd be ten bucks." I said, "No, thank you." He said what? I said, "No, I ain't paying ten bucks. Just not that hungry." No, nope. and I, I was get back in the car, and he said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." wait. You're not going to find a cheaper place to park. I said that's fine. Number one, I was just going to go look at the menu. I'm not sure I want to eat here. I'm not paying you ten bucks. And um, he said, "Okay, five bucks." I said, oh, "I said okay. Tell me about the race." He said that was great. Eat there every day. It's a great place. You'll love it. And he said, "Tell you what. Give them this thing. They'll give you five bucks back." I said, "Hey, here's my five bucks. We're good." And then, of course, he, he walked over and saw the back of the car, which has the tag March 16 on it. And also, we have around it redeemed by grace. He said, are you a Christian? He yes, sir. Really? Said, yeah, Christian. Believer in Christ, man. That's what it means to be Christian. Trust Jesus, know Jesus. We talked a little bit. And then I said, what about you? Are you a Christian? Yes, sir, I am. And he began to tell this amazing story. He said, I was a Jew. I was a Jew, man. And he said, I read the Bible. And God convicted me. I saw truth in the person of Jesus. And I was saved. I'm a follower of Christ. Amen. So we had a time of talking and we shared and we was talking. It was one of the great moments we had. He said this world's in a bad shape he said every day I see people come in here I see what's happening and brother I got to tell you where I was and and uh, the the culture is definitely going the wrong way I uh I, 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 I heard heard some you know I was trying to one of the place we was going down a, the sidewalk and we heard a lot of commotion going on and some music and and uh, if I thought, well, you know, i, I just go without to curiosity and see. And, and, uh, and, and, and then I saw the big banner, the big banner out front. Every queen needs a palace. And there wasn't no women in there. Okay. So I'm going, well, hey, hey, we ain't eating there. I'm telling you. Hey, no. Nah. Uh, the culture in which we live moving the wrong way and I'll ask you again which voice is louder I'm just asking because I think the determining factor of the church today is how we answer that question I don't care all the stuff we do okay Hey, <laughs> uh, listen styles of worship build I want to know which voice is louder because that's all that really matters When the day's done, please understand what I'm about to say to you. God established America to be a lighthouse for the gospel of Christ. We were birthed by the grace of God. That's who we are. And we need His touch to be all we're supposed to be and all we're supposed to do. Until we get that touch, we're just just treading water. And the truth is, we're getting tireder and tireder. For I will say to you, in all my years of ministry, I've never seen it like this ever I talk to men almost every week who say pastor I just want to talk to you let's meet we'll talk by phone we'll, we'll talk you know through texting and While and I've never seen so many men contemplating walking away from the ministry good men men who love Jesus but they're tired. Which voice is louder? I will tell you what I believe: the voice of the wicked is louder. Now we can fool ourselves, live in denial, excuse it, camouflage it, do whatever you want to do with it. But the truth is, the voice of the wicked is louder, and that's what our generations are hearing. The Roman Empire, basically, through observation of Francis Schaeffer and others before him, said there were some key elements that brought the, the destruction of the Roman Empire. One was the, the, the dissecting and destruction of the family unit. We now no longer know how to define a family in America. Oh, we don't. It's like, what is a family? We're trying to figure out how to legally define it, how to culturally define it. Preoccupation with sporting events. They live to be entertained. And the decline of morality. What I've discovered the last little bit is when I try to talk to people, they don't even have a baseline we're in common I can start with. They're so, God is so far off their radar screen, it's unbelievable. It's trying to, it's trying to, I feel like I'm trying to talk to someone from another world, another planet. There's such an indifference. And so I look at this great country that I love and so grateful that in God's sovereign let me be born here. But I see that if there is not an, a massive revival and reformation... It starts in the church. It doesn't start in the country. It starts in the church. Our grandchildren and maybe even our children will not enjoy the freedoms we enjoy. So what do we do? Fold our hands and cry woe is me? I hope not. What do we do? And when we pray, I mean, we really pray. I, 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 we have got to become a people of prayer, where we are not just going through the motions, but we really pray, and we we. Uh, proclaim the good news. We've got to learn how to do it perhaps differently and how to be more aware. You see, when the Apostle Paul walked by Mars Hill, he realized he had to approach a little differently because they were a pagan people that had no idea of the God of the Bible. He had to start off at a different place. I think we, we, if not careful, we become lazy in our witness. We don't try to grow and develop. And how to, how, we don't figure out how to be more diverse And therefore we become quiet, silenced by the loudness of the wicked. And if the wicked prevail, judgment will come. Make no mistake about it.